Good morning, Eastern Oregon, and welcome to this September 12th version of AM Live on EOA, your connection to Eastern Oregon, and we're on Roku and on the EO Alive Network. How are you, man? It's first Monday, second Monday, third Monday. <laughs> it feels it feels oh, a little bit like a Monday, Monday today. Yeah. 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 It does feel like a Monday. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's just a little clunky. That's all right, though. Yeah. So... Yeah, how are you this morning, man? I'm good. Good. It's just another week, another this the fall. Last week was super busy for me. I think I did 17 high school interviews. Yeah. And you know what the funny thing is? And I called their coach about this. I called them out. Yeah. You you would think a new team like the cheerleaders, right? Yeah. They would be like, you know, like if they saw anything that I did last year with interviewing every single senior athlete, made a little video at the end. Yeah. The they literally, I literally have not interviewed one of them yet, and I've had them all scheduled. Huh. So they no just... call, no shows. <laughs> and so I called Kimberly, their coach, and I talked to their assistant coach, who's a cheerleader at EOU. And I'm like, dude, like, I, it's not on me. Like, I, <laughs> one of them, get this, BC, one of them texted me and, and said, I can't make it. Da 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 da. I said, okay, well, we'll reschedule for tomorrow. We reschedule for the next day, right? Like an hour before the interview. Um, things just got out of control for me today. Can we reschedule in a month? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, I just told her, I was like, dude, I'm going to be long done with this in a yeah. month. Like, You're like, well, is... just can you have my people get a hold of you? Yeah, friend? exactly. Like, like okay, you're a, you're a high school cheer. I'm doing this for you, not yeah. for me. I don't, we don't get anything out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, we're not getting paid for it. I just do it. Because I think it'd be cool for them to have, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. And then um, just getting, yeah, the cheerleaders. And and I'm super support supportive of cheerleading. Like I've been wanting cheerleading at the high school for a long time. Yeah. I support EOU's cheerleaders. I take pictures of them. I include them in every. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then so it's just kind of like it's it's odd to me. But but their coach, she was like, I talked to her on Friday, and she was like, I'm gonna handle this. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then their assistant coach is like, well, it looks like we're going to have to do some more conditioning, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. Well, you've all, I mean, you remember, I mean, everybody remembers when you like, you know, learning to be a team player, learning yeah. to be an athlete, learning, you know, and it's just. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing, the other way I look at it too is um, a few of these kids are going to go to college and play sports, right? Yeah. And this is preparing them for media, you know, like, yeah. cause there's going to be times where, you know, like you're going to get interviewed or you're going to have to do a media day for your school. You know what I mean? And this is just a free practice run for them. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's just, it, it's kind of cool. They get to come sit in the studio and it, but then there's just some people that eh, it's yeah. not a priority. Yeah. That's fine. I hate, I'd hate, I got every single senior athlete last year. I would hate to not have a couple. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would break my heart. Yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. Especially a new team. And good for them to do, figure out. Yeah, there's a lot of them out, too. There's like 16 cheerleaders out. Really? Yeah. Wow. They got more than EOU does, huh. which is, wow. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. And and trust me, I've been pushing for this. I, um, I became friends with the lady that's in charge of the cheerleading for the whole state uh -huh. through Shrine. Yeah. We've become buddies, you know, and I'm like, we got to figure out a way to get LeGrant. Like this year, we had, Heather came to the game and was recruiting, you know what I mean? I put them in contact. And so cheerleading is important to me. I think it's yeah. cool. I think it's a huge part of, of especially football, Friday nights. It really is. Yeah. And, and, and we made a huge step by just somebody stepping up. Like George said, they just didn't have anybody that was willing to commit and Kimberly committed. And now we have a, a team and I'm going to support them. I mean, that's just what I do. Good deal. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to do sports? Let's do it. All right. Grand High School had a big win on Friday night. Uh, they traveled to – the game was originally supposed to be at Crook County. We found out that there were some issues with Crook County's field and insurance or something, so they moved it to Summit in Bend, and LeGrand beat – Klamath Union 30 to nothing, which like I was telling BC before the show today, I, I don't judge this team yet because that 
playing with the Union team was super young, and I kind of felt like this was how that game was going to end. The Weezer team that beat us the week before is an Idaho team. So this Friday, though, right here on EO Alive, 6 o'clock, Estacada, we haven't beat them in five years. Um, they're always good. They've fallen off a little bit. I think they've lost their last two games of the year, their first two games of the year. But here's the thing. Both times, both of their games this, this year so far, they've played the team that was ranked number one. Uh, so the first week, the team that was ranked number one, beat them on a last second touchdown the second week the team that moved to number one beat them on a last second touchdown so Estacada is always good we're going to find out where we stand in in Oregon on Friday night and the other thing I want to talk about is the polls don't pay attention to them I always say this like we're still in this like vortex it's a black hole you you look at the polls last week I think we sat sixth even after losing the Weezer. Weezer, I mean, it's not an Oregon school, so it shouldn't affect you too much, right? Well, we go to Bend, and we beat Klamath Union 30 to nothing, and we drop to seven on, <laughs> in the coaches. But it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, who's voting on these? I, I, don't, I, I, I know Rich, our old coach, didn't vote very often. Yeah. So it's not a conglomerate. You know what I mean? Right. It's not everybody deciding. But still, at the same time, like the, the polls, they don't make any sense at all. They never will. I don't. I don't think it'll ever change in Oregon. It's just they punch numbers in. So the, the one poll is whatever coaches respond in four A. Mm -hmm. They tally it up. First place votes. You know, da 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 da. Boom. The other poll is just punching a bunch of numbers into a computer and it spits out a list. Huh. And even that, because of the league that we play in, which granted has gotten better because of uh, Pendleton. We just have. We don't have enough substantial teams in this league right to to make you know to be rated real high because we're playing teams like ontario yeah it, not it, well except for in soccer ontario is good in soccer but all the other sports um lhs volleyball is at Vale today at six e, let's talk a little bit about eou this week uh the men's soccer team will be on friday and saturday they'll be at northwest and evergreen Every team for EOU is on the road this week. So wow. there's no EOU games at home. Women's soccer's at Northwest and Evergreen at 3. So they play Friday and Saturday at 3 after the men. Um, football, the football team lost to Whitworth at home this Saturday, 42-28. to 28. That's a tough loss there. We needed to win that game. It's not a conference game, but at the same time, it's a D3 school that we should beat. We've lost to them the last two years in a row. Um we showed signs of bring. It's early, early in the first half. I thought we were going to run away with it. And no, I just it was the, hit a that, wall. Yeah, that was the first game I've been to in a long time. And yeah, it was rough. Yeah, the second but, half was super rough. Right, but but EOU started good. They did. I mean, yeah. I mean, the 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 transfer quarterback Quincy Glasper, he got beat up that whole game. I mean, we did not protect him well. He he was hurting by the time that game was over. Uh, I have coach camp at 1030 today and that'll come out today and it'll be weekly on Tuesdays from here on out. Um, volleyball swept Multnomah and Warner pack. No big surprise there. They're, they're still undefeated. Number one team in the nation. They're good. Um, I don't think they'll get tested this weekend. They travel to Northwest and Evergreen. They play Friday night at seven, Saturday at five. Um, I think the first test that really is going to be Corbin, and Corbin's number five in the country. Corbin, it, it, this this irks me too. The CCC gives out awards every week, right? And this week, because Corbin had three games because they played their travel buddy this week. The way it works is you play two games on the weekends, and on your travel buddy week, you play your travel buddy on, on a Tuesday. Okay. So our travel buddy, C of I. We, if, if we're going to Northwest, C of I is going to Evergreen, and then we swap. Got it. Well, okay. on, on the, the week of your travel buddy game, you play them on a Tuesday. You, you play them twice during the year, once at home, once on the road. And it was Corbin's travel buddy week, so they got three games. Everybody else only got two. And the CCC gave all the awards to Corbin. Hmm. They give them hitter of the week, attacker of the week, defender of the week, setter of the week, and team of the week. Hmm. And, and it's like this misconception that, you know, Corbin's like the the best team when when they I don't think they are mm -hmm. I, I really think EOU is and and Corbin's lost twice this year and mm -hmm. we haven't and so 
but uh, Kathy explained it to me that, you know, they had an extra game and that's just kind of how it works. And, but it's still frustrating. Um, Benny runs this Friday. The cross country team opens up their season at the CCC preview in Idaho. And then they also, they'll send their top seven or 10 runners to Washington state to the WSU invite. So the team will split on Friday. They'll go to two different places and, the men's team is looking really good this year. They yeah. got three guys that are that are going to be competing for CCC championship. Uh, Christian Mendoza, Georgia's son, Justin Ash, and uh, I always forget the third kid's name. Um, Benny would know. Oh, this is terrible. I feel so bad. Hunter. I think his name's Hunter. That's bad. I don't remember his name, but... The, all three of them will compete for the, the CCC championship this year, wow. as well as the team. Good. So it's it's cool. The the there's a lot good going on at EOU. Like last year, they won the the conference uh, cup, which is the best athletically, the best team in the conference all the way across all sports. Hmm. And last year it was EOU for the first time since 2016. So yeah, good deal. That's all I got for sports. All right. Brought to you by Rock and Sons Tire and Auto. Go see JB and the boys. <laughs> so when, so when you, so then when you have a travel buddy, and you play them on, you're both on the road playing. Is that right? Yeah. So so say every weekend, EOU on road games. So okay. if they have road games, like I said, like at Northwest, right, and right. and uh, Evergreen, which right. are both Northern Washington, right. right? C of I goes to one of them on Friday night. We play one of them Friday, and then we swap. Right. And then if we have home games, so does C of I. So if Northwest and Evergreen comes here, we would play North Northwest on Friday night. They would play Evergreen on Friday night, and then they would right. swap. Right. And it's all based on location. Right. But you don't you don't play your travel buddy. You play them on Tuesdays, two times a year. At at their at home or on the road? Both I said of you that. Are on that. You, you play them once at home, once on the road. Okay. You play. You play two. You play your travel buddy two times during the year. Once at home, once on the road on a Tuesday. Oh, so when you play them on no. So what I'm trying to think is like so if you're so if both travel buddies are traveling somewhere, do they play each other no. when they're at? Oh yeah, yeah. No. All right, thank no. you. <laughs> Why would they yeah. play each other? Yeah. No, they they just swap teams. Right. And it's right. all based on location. Like no, I get OIT it. I just, and yeah. Southern are travel buddies. Bushnell and Corbin yeah. are travel buddies. Yeah. Northwest and Evergreen. Us and C of I because. But they just do it based on yeah. how close you are. No, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've, occasionally yeah. you have to educate me. Yeah, you know, you're good. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't go on the road and play your travel buddy. like. Well, that didn't make sense. They're like, no. yeah, how would you accommodate that? Yeah. That's all right. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, look at it. And you don't travel with them either. It's it's a misconception. Like, you don't, like, hop in the same bus as them. Yeah. They're ju it's just called a travel buddy because you're playing in the same area and just switching and coming back you know what i mean like it's not like you hop on a bus with them yeah they're not your buddies either so they're not, guys definitely <laughs> not that wouldn't work out very well yeah well, especially because we're not particular fans of c of i right no no but they are our travel buddies. right yeah all right okay well i mean and not that we're not fans we're just competitors yeah yeah no i'm not a fan all right i'm not a fan just I so know you know. you're not a fan. Yeah, no. Well, I am. I'm. I'm a fan of our kids from Lagrange that go to see about. There's a couple of them, Grayson here and uh, and Owen Rinker plays soccer for them. But so pretty day today, up to 80 degrees. Looks like that's kind of it's going to maybe warm up towards we get to the end of the week. So all the way up to 88, like yesterday. Yesterday was warm. Yeah, and we do have a. You already mentioned this, but we do have a home game. Uh, it's a six o'clock kickoff, so pay attention. Oh yeah, yeah, it's an hour earlier. Okay. I don't know why we do that with Estacada. It's not like they're traveling any further than anybody else. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It's, it's not like they're an Idaho team. I, yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't understand that. But we always have. So it's a six o'clock kickoff from Community Stadium. It'll be live right here on the Eastern Oregon Alive TV Network. <laughs> EO Alive Network, yeah, we're gonna start hammering that and pushing that a little bit more. So, because um, by the time, and the reason is, is because somebody says, "Well, where can we see you?" And it's like by the time you list all the stuff, it's like it's just easier to refer to it as a network. So, anyhow, 
Yeah. You got to remind me. I need to post the picture of the Roku winner too today. Yeah. I got it. I, I got to get that posted up. I can't. What was his name that won that? I'll look it up and tell people right now. Yeah. So on Friday, last Friday, I gave away a um, Roku device for your TV. Jordan Greathouse won it. Yeah. And all you had to do was comment Roku in the comments. And there was a lot of them. And I just put them in a randomizer and it ended up being Jordan. So he came last week or when did he come? I think it was last Friday. Last Friday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A and free Roku. It's like a $40 value. It just plugs into your TV's HDMI and you have Roku on your TV. Yeah. And I talked to him for just a minute and he said, yeah, this is going in my trailer. Sweet. Yeah. So Perfect. they, he's, he knows Roku and he was like, he probably a, has a Roku TV and right, it's not, right. it ain't going to hurt to have two. No, I have two at home. Yeah. I, yeah. So it's, it's nice. My parents have, yeah. Roku well, and they're just, all their TVs. they're so, so for those that don't know, Roku is just like a, when you go to your, it's it kind of replaces your smart TV. When you go to your smart TV app, you know, there's a whole bunch of little icons and apps. That's kind of what the Roku it's is. exactly what it is. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's there. It's the answer to Apple TV. Right. But the, but it's faster. I mean, it's, it's quick. So when you, if you use a smart TV, that smart TV hub in the, in the TV is sometimes a little laggy. It's kind of slow. And, Sometimes an external box like that allows you to have more power. So anyhow, all right. So uh, Paul Anders is going to be with us. Union County Commissioner is going to be with us here in just a minute. Uh, also, this is the second game. This is the second home game this Friday. And if you are a business, this is a great opportunity for you to advertise. We're streaming both the home games in LaGrande and the home games in Pendleton. Um, and if you know of businesses in Pendleton that would benefit from this, uh, be sure and let us know. But anyhow. Yeah, it's a great value. I mean, you can't, you can't really beat it. Uh, you know, you I was talked about in the live stream. There's branding. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's well worth it. If you have in, a business and a lot. Here's the thing. A lot of people watch these streams a lot. Yeah. A lot. You would be surprised. Well, and. And the and since it's the most of the sponsors are their mentions. So then, as you're talking and as you're conversing, then their logo goes up on your screen, and you talk about the business. And it's during gameplay, and that is that's a very powerful means. So because it's not during a commercial, no, it's not during a quarter, a halftime break, or whatever it is. You know, it's during gameplay. So people are watching the game, and you know, so it's it's got a lot of value, and that's. It's a big thing for us. We don't want to sell you something that we don't think is going to be effective for your business because frankly, that's just not honest. And yeah. so uh, we want to, we want to try and give you something that really is worth it. So, I always preach too. It's a lot easier for me to talk about something I believe in too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it, the businesses that do advertise with us during football, I believe in them, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and it becomes part of, you know, like the, the mantra. Well, and it's funny, one, just recently I was talking to a business about this and they said, oh, well, we've kind of spent all of our money on sponsorships. And it's like, this isn't a sponsorship. This is advertising. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we appreciate those that support it because it's our local high school football, but there is a, there is a real benefit to it. It's not just, not just your name on a on a fence. Yeah, it's not a because, sponsor. Yeah. Like it's not you just giving free money to, yeah. to, for something. Yeah. You're getting value out of it. Yep. All right. Well, hey, we'll be back with Union County Commissioner Paul Anders right after.
All right. We're back with Union County Commissioner Paul Anders. How are you, man? I'm well, thank you. You? I'm doing good. Good. Yeah. Good morning, Dodzy. Good morning, yeah. sir. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Thanks for being here with us. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. I was telling Brent yesterday, I was like, it's already been three months. Like, it feels like we, it was just yesterday we were talking about Rulon, and he's coming on. He's going to come on. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I reached out to him, and he's going to – we don't have anything set in stone yet, but mm -hmm. he responded. He gave me his cell phone number, and we're going to – he's going to come on. He's, he needs to come know, and visit his sister. Yeah, that would be even better <laughs> to get him in studio. But we, right. I don't know if we're going to do the morning show or uh, just a sports interview yet. Mm -hmm. It just kind of depends on his schedule. Yeah, yeah. very nice person. Yeah, it's yeah. Gonna be, I'm excited. Yeah. I've and never, for those that might not – Know what they're talking about? Rulon is it? Lon Rulon? Rulon Gardner. Rulon Gardner uh, was an Olympic champion in two thousand one. Two thousand. Two thousand, and his uh, it was a heavyweight wrestling champion. I mean, it, it was news around the world. Beat the Russian who hadn't been beaten thirteen years in international competition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and his sister is actually the cardiologist up here at Grand Ronde Hospital. Helped save Paul's life. She yeah, did, right? I, and yeah, so and anyhow, I don't. I don't say that lightly. Yeah, she is. Uh, she is one of the main reasons I'm sitting here today. Yeah. So, yep. So well, I called him Paul Commissioner Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> Paul works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, and and Paul Paul ran into Rulon, met him in a restaurant, and they conversed. And so we're really hoping to be able to get Rulon here, either remotely or in the studio, and just talk shop. How fun would that be? So anyhow, so how's the commissioner world? What's it's, going on? It's three months. Uh, lots happened. Yeah. Uh, it's been busy, but it's really good. Uh, if I could, if, if yeah. I may, this came out of the last legislative session, um, really at the 11th hour, um, a group of uh, folks that I work with, commissioners that I work with, it's called AgriStress Helpline. And what has been identified is people in agriculture, whether farming, ranching, or farm labor, farm work, um, tend to have a much higher suicide rate than other populations. And uh, there is a specific line for them to call so wow. that they can get the help they need with people that um, are more in tune with their, their particular needs. And uh, it's called Agristrels Helpline for Oregon, 833-897-2477. Uh, and uh, very proud that we were able to get that across the finish line with the legislature um, and literally the, the very last bill that passed the joint ways and mean uh, to go to the full house and full, full Senate. So, wow. Yeah. It's, and uh, East, uh, not Eastern, excuse me. Um, Oregon state university extension service is, is the guiding uh, entity that's putting that together. And uh, so you might want to watch for rollouts there, but, Great program. Um, we have way too high to, highest suicide rates in our ag and, and uh, natural resources communities. So I, we're, we're hopeful that this will provide some relief. This wow. is a uh, suicide awareness month too. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. I was. Yeah. I did not know that. September. Yeah. So yeah. Suicide awareness month. So yeah, it's a great program, um, and uh, be more than happy to share that uh, graphic with you. And so if you want to put it up on your medias yeah, to get the word out, we'll do it. Yeah. And, and I don't, I guess I'm not surprised, but I wasn't aware. I didn't know that, that suicide. I mean, I didn't know that that fact that, mm -hmm. that, uh, there's that stress. I'm yeah. not surprised though. Yeah. And, and well, and one of the things that I talked about in my testimony is if we, you know, if we save one life, the money is well spent. Yeah. Um, so, and it's, I mean, in the big scheme of things, I never thought I'd be somewhere that would talk about hundreds of thousands of dollars not being a lot, but in the state budget, it's a, a fraction of a fraction. And this expenditure is $300,000 and they, they were able to fund it. And that's going to get it rolling and, and keep it going for quite some time. Well, yeah, I had a farmer once tell me that every year, this wasn't too long ago. Every year is like you're playing poker and you take all of your possessions and you push them into the middle of the table. Mm -hmm. And that that's a crazy way to live. It is. It is. And uh, thank goodness that they do it. Otherwise, we wouldn't eat. Yeah. Um, bottom line. 
and uh, I appreciate our, our ag community and farming and ranching, all facets of it, and a uh, big part of our local economy as well. Yeah. Well, and we don't, I mean, it's a huge part of our community, but it's kind of, they're quieter. I mean, there's, you know, if you spend your time in the cities, like I do, or mm -hmm. yeah, the rural areas, in our rural areas are very urban, but, or excuse me, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But the, our urban areas are very rural. There we go. Yep. Yeah. But you, it's just easy to forget mm -hmm. all that land out there and all those guys that are and girls, women that are like families that are dedicating themselves to, to what it is that they're doing. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's, it's funny. One, not one time, Tanya and I, uh, one of the local farmers, Rob Beck took us a flying it was for tanya's birthday and it was late november right before christmas and we're we're up above the valley somewhere and there were some cows feeding down there and they were kind of had an interesting pattern and she said wow that is really interesting why they're feeding in that line he goes yeah that's just the way i happened to drive the tractor this morning you know <laughs> so it's like oh those are your cows yeah. yeah so but it's easy to forget so yeah so what's going on um, just recently got done with the second half of the commissioner exchange that I participated in. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, yes. So, uh, in July, commissioner, uh, Sushila Jayapal from Multnomah County came out here, uh, spent the first afternoon, uh, with Brett Red Farms and about three and a half hours there, um, seeing a lot of different portions of his his operation um kind of a highlight for her she got to ride on one of the big tractors and she <laughs> was pretty excited about that um but really good conversations with brett about you know what concerns him what is and i don't want to say fears but what his uh worries are of, of his business in the future um talked a lot about irrigation power consumption water um and then the different crops he was in the process of harvesting so that was that was the first night uh second day um commissioner jayapal wanted to to see kind of how county state and feds work together and fire was a really good medium to talk about how we work together in those areas so we started out at the local ranger district talking about fire and how they approach you know how they're sent out to initial attack and then extended attack um, had really good uh, presentations by the uh, district ranger or excuse me not the district ranger the uh, forest supervisor and then the local fire folks from there we went to dispatch which um, county owns that building and leases to the forest service we went to the uh, tanker base which fortunately at that point was not being used it was idle uh, but clearly ready to go at a, at a moment's notice. And then we went to the uh, Rappel base, another building that the county owns at the airport that leases to the Forest Service. And kind of just by luck, uh, there was a type one helicopter. The, one of the big ones came in and that was pretty impressive. Uh, good visits with them. And then we went to Elgin, uh, had lunch at, at Billy Bob's and while we were there, the owner said, hey, would you like to tour? And so she got a, they weren't slaughtering, but they were uh, processing carcasses at that time. Uh, went to Boise and uh, toured the plywood plant as part of the housing and, and more economics of our community. And then we went to Timber Ridge, the uh, new Northeast Oregon Housing Authority uh, facility that's being built by the Coke plant. Um, and then uh, met with Gus Chachas for the, the cottages, tiny homes, and uh, Veterans Village, and um, and the the uh, H Avenue housing that mm -hmm. he does, which I think are all really good things to take pressure off of the the local community's housing shortage. Um, 
next morning, um, she and my wife, Kelly, went to the farmer's market. It was crazy days, so they had lunch. At, <laughs> uh, and I apologize, I don't remember the, the name of his new business, but Merlin's Catering. Yeah. Uh, we went up the Grand Ron River, uh, participated in an outdoor activity up there, went from there to Imbler, uh, and had a really good visit with uh, J.D. Cant and 3H uh, Cattle and 3H Ranch, and really talked about where they fit in and, and the traditions and the history of that particular place. It was started by his grandfather and, and now his children are, are starting to work in the business and nieces and nephews are starting to work in the business. Um, it was kind of breakneck speed the whole time. I was going to say, that's, that's, <laughs> uh, that's a lot of schedule. It is. And then we went uh, to Buffalo Peak. Dana gave a, a great tour of that and an explanation of, of how it's a county function. And from there, we went up to Anthony Lakes, got an opportunity to kind of talk about the fuel <laughs> reductions and uh, fire uh, fuels reduction that had been going on, as well as some logging, and then uh, capped off the trip with a uh, wood-fired pizza at Anthony Lakes. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So you you were probably exhausted by all, I mean, being the tour guide of all that. I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm very proud of the things right, that Union yeah. County has. And and it, the conversations I had, and it, it's no secret, Commissioner Jayapal and I could probably not be much different in our political mm -hmm. views. Um, I'm relatively conservative. She's relatively liberal. But there were some things that, you know, and, and to me, it struck me as the, the time in the conversation where the connection was made. Mm -hmm. um, and really, we deal with a lot of the same problems, just on a much different scale. And and that really yeah. came to came to light for me when I went there. Mm -hmm. So um, I ended up starting on a Thursday morning. Um, it was raining in Portland. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't rained there, and I don't know how long. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sorry. Excuse me. Um, and got a tour of their offices real quick, and then I went to one of their commission meetings which is, I mean, there's a lot of people there. Yeah, it's, um, yeah I was probably, you're right, like, what? Yeah. Um, and again, what struck me is that they had a, a good, healthy discussion, but it wasn't terribly long. Mm -hmm. And they ended up uh, making a budget adjustment and spending basically 15% of Union County's total budget for the year. <laughs> that quick. <laughs> and um, it, that was one of the things that kind of struck me is, I mean, the, the volumes of money that they are dealing with compared to what we do, um, I wouldn't want their job. Yeah. Um, and then just last week, um, they ended up spending $105 million in one session uh, in, of their commission meeting um, on homeless services. Wow. Uh, from there, we went to a, uh, their behavioral health facility and I will I readily admit, walking into it, I was a little uneasy. There were people that were clearly in distress and, and some of the things that you I would associate with typical people in, in crisis, screaming, yelling, um, arguing with, and there doesn't seem to be another half to the argument there. Um, so what you're saying is mental health issues. Oh yeah, and that's, and that's, we, yeah, we, and we were at their facility. So we go through it, we tour it. They're doing some really good things. Um, they treat 100 people a day. Uh, that's their capacity. And so I said, that's, you know, 100 people, that's good. I said, how many do you think you're here in either homeless addiction or mental health crisis or not even crisis in those categories? And they said, our place and time count puts it somewhere around 6,000. But more likely, it's eight to ten thousand people. Wow! Yeah. So I did the numbers for Union County, and that would be, so be somewhere between two hundred and four hundred people in that same. And probably, you know, I, I think one of the discussions we had is I think the the in Union County, our homeless population tends to be out of sight more than it is in Multnomah County. Um, oh, but I don't, yeah. I don't think that it's really necessarily that much smaller when you look at the, the numbers of it, but, uh, really doing some great work there. Um, they have showers, they have laundry, 
They have um, addictions uh, treatment or not treatment counseling. They have mental health. Um, they get if they qualify, they can go into a 30 day program on the second floor. If they do well on that and they're showing progress, they go, can go to a 90 day program on the top floor. So it's all really kind of integrated into the one facility. For me, the biggest change was when I walked outside leaving and those same people that were in crisis and having an episode, if you will, um, I realized that even as in, in the condition that they were in, as much as they were suffering, they were standing in line to get into that place. That's what they were doing out there. Right. And it was like, okay, that's, I mean, and not that I was super comfortable being around them because I'm not exposed to that very often, but it was really um, kind of telling, thinking about how they're looking to get help mm -hmm. and really not a handout. Um, so I have a, so I have a question uh -huh. about that. So, cause, cause part of, part of the thing that whatever, when part of the thing that people struggle with, is thinking outside of themselves, mm -hmm. thinking outside of their own perspective or whatever the case might be. A balanced person or a thinking person, they will seek after that. It is like, I don't, you know, even if they have a judgment, it's like, I have a negative attitude about that. I want, I want to know more about it to make sure that my negative attitude is correct. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a thinking that. So, and certainly from Eastern Oregon, we look at all of that homelessness stuff and just the wreck of the sidewalks in Portland and whatever the case might be. And uh, so, and we're judgmental. I'm judgmental. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. yeah. So, but I guess what I'm, what I'm wondering is, you know, now that you've had that perspective, what is it that we didn't know? What is it, what are the misconceptions that you might've had that have been adjusted? What did you learn by going through that, that have adjusted those Eastern Oregon perspectives? A um, couple things. Um, it's been more than a year ago. I want to say about a year and a half ago at an Eastern Oregon Counties Association meeting, we had a very similar discussion. It's mm -hmm. like, you know what? We really don't like when, when, and call it Portland, call it Metro, call it whatever, the West side, you know, refers to us or, or thinks of us as a bunch of backwards and educated hillbillies or right. hicks or whatever. And the conversation from there went to, how would you like Portland Metro to be referring to whatever county you, you're, we're from in the negative light that, that right. we're referring to them? And right. so uh, not all of us, but a lot of us backed off from our criticism of Portland, Multnomah County, Washington County. And, um, but my takeaways from that are, I mean, I had a pretty good idea of what I was going to be walking into. Was completely wrong. If you look at whether it's social media, and there's some um, especially um, Instagram accounts that are really focusing on the negative. Right. And I've seen them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, Hundreds of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, you look at the, the nightly news coming out of Portland. Couldn't be any more exaggerated. Well, it could be, but it was, it's very much exaggerated. Right. I mean, there are some spots and we, and she was not shy about showing those spots to me and trying and talking about things they tried, things that haven't worked, things that have worked. And my perception of that area really changed being there because there are some beautiful neighborhoods still. Sure. There's, I mean, and what was interesting to me is how thin of the line was between some of those very nice neighborhoods and some of those that are, are really in distress from homelessness, addiction, and, right. and mental health. But it's, not to put too fine of a point on it, it is not the dumpster fire that, that it is made out to be. Right. Um, there's problems. Right. But it, they are so isolated, but the focus is on those isolated, you know, either neighborhoods or encampments or the RVs and they've done, you know, we went down Marine drive, which um, I remember going down a couple of years ago and it was a mess and very much cleaned up. So perfect. No, but it, and a couple of my takeaways were that, you know, these are people that are trying their very best to solve the problems. Mm -hmm. I think part of it was it took so long to get there and it got so bad. And I don't know that 
or I'm pretty sure that COVID didn't help any of that out. And now they're having to deal with this huge mess instead of a smaller mess, but they are taking steps to, to make it better. Paul, my thought on it, like, so I've always thought Portland is one of the most beautiful cities in the whole country. Mm -hmm. it, it, aesthetically, it's gorgeous, right? Yeah. And, but I've also been the person that, yeah, you know, you can make your judgment, but like we, us over here, we have no business judging what's going on over That's, there. We yeah. don't live there. We don't, it's like, find a better hobby in my eyes. Like who cares? Right. You know, like, right. It, it, or here's an idea. We don't get how to about, judge. Them. How about we help them out? Instead or, of, yeah, there you go. Going on, looking down Beautiful. our nose out. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and maybe it reciprocates. That's why this program is so huge in my eyes. Like the, the commissioner swap, like we get to see from a different level what's going on there. They get to see from a different level what's going on here. And then maybe we can find out a way to touch hands on a couple of things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then so, so the uh, third Friday, sorry, uh, started out with a, um, and I would call it a, kind of an underground, under the radar. They're building very temporary housing. Um, to get people off the street. They're in conjunction with a uh, uh, Arab church in one of the um, outskirts of Portland that's giving them some land to use. And again, they're getting people off the street. They're getting them housed. Is it ideal? Certainly not, but they are making some. And then they also have, um, it's lived experience is what they call it. And I'm like, well, what's lived experience? It's like, well, those that have been addicted and homeless, are now helping run the, the shelter facility. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it was. And well, we talked about that too, and it's probably not going to work in long term, but that's a given. But you know what? It's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, went to a um, farm that they have going on just on the, actually it's uh, very close to the Edgefield, what used to be the, the Oregon poor farm. And they're reclaiming some really overgrown blackberry fields and, teaching young people how to farm and also providing a lot of food to the communities through that. Um, I went on when I was saw someone that I was uh, works for Multnomah County at a meeting prior to it. They go, oh, you're getting culvert tour. And I'm like, culvert tour. And they so <clears throat> never would have realized when you pave that much area, all that water goes into the storm drains, the storm drains into the into the creeks and then the the speed and and volume tends to blow them out and scour and destroys salmon habitat so they're rebuilding the culverts to make them a be able to take that extra volume more easily and provide better uh, passage and, and habitat for the fish and endangered and threatened species so that was actually very interesting and it's it's surprising how you can go from a parking lot of a strip mall to a, a creek bed and really not in, even know that you're in a fairly large city 100 yards apart. Wow. Uh, pretty wild down in there. Um, gosh, where do we go next? Um, oh, then we went to um, Albina for they're they're trying to rebuild a traditionally black neighborhood. Um, and they've got young, um, pretty and very, very bright. Uh, that came across very loudly to me as how bright these young people were working on getting that that neighborhood rebuilt. And I never knew this. Um, you know, you think about the the Rose Quarter and, and the convention center and all that. I mean, gems of Oregon, right? Well, those displaced huge numbers of families when they when they put those in and built those. So now they're trying to there's portions that they're trying to bring back as a more historic uh, community then had a uh, pretty serious long conversation with the pastor uh, on gun control and we talked about I mean I talked about you know I own guns I use guns I hunt with guns uh, I have them readily available a lot of the time and he talked about how they've come in you know the shootings in Portland which he said are not he said that's one thing really that the news is not exaggerating um, and he fully understood my right and want to have those guns and to use them. But he said that the problem is there's so many of them coming. I said, where are they coming from? 
I said, is, you know, is that the break-ins that we hear about in our communities? Or is that, are those guns going there? And he was of the opinion, and I haven't fact-checked this, but that they were the ghost guns coming in from overseas. Yeah, ghost that's that's real stuff. I've watched in, uh, plenty of documentaries on ghost guns. And what that is, I'll explain it if you don't mind. Um, they, they, they end up little little villages in other countries, Africa, South America. They, they actually pay people to sit there with these molds and put together guns that don't have serial numbers. And they buy them from these people for dirt cheap and then turn around and sell them in the United States for very expensive. Because if you get a gun without a number on it, that means nobody knows you have it. And that's why it's called a ghost gun. And it's a lucrative business. And, and a lot of it is uh, the cartels. A lot of it's the, the, the drug cartels right. that are going and paying these people in these small villages, which there's no police, you know, there's no way that they could really get caught. To, and bringing them the supplies, the metal, the, the, the molds to make these guns and the parts and then put them together. And then they bring them over here and sell them without numbers. And there's a lot of them. I've seen a couple in real life, like real ones. So, and that was one of the conversation I, I had. I said, you know, I'm, w whether it's my shotgun, my handgun, or my rifle, I mean, I practice. Um, not necessarily super proficient with a handgun, pretty good with a rifle, and, and I hunt a lot of birds, so I'm pretty darn good with a shotgun. I said, you know, how do they, how do they A, learn how to use them and use them? They don't. Mm -hmm. He said, they volume. They're just pulling the trigger and that's why there's so many well, collateral damages let me ask you a question that perhaps because the thing i don't i can't get the disconnect that i see all the time is how does taking them from law-abiding citizens how does that help solve the problem and the person that, that i had the conversation yeah. with is not suggesting that but okay again it needs to be addressed and and a I bit mean, of a, yeah, and a bit of a backstory. This pastor, his son was shot in the back seven times by his best friend who was angry with him. Not even, I mean, it was like a fairly petty argument. And his son is dead. So, right. I mean, I understand him, you know, questioning the value and, and need of guns. But right. at the same time, I thought it was pretty open-minded of him to say, you know, you have the right, you have the, you, you can. Well, I'm not trying to infringe upon your rights. But he says we've got to get them out of the hands of the wrong people. Well, yeah, and I and I don't. I think everybody agrees with that. Right. I mean, it, but I mean, I'm not sure where this is today. But I mean, I think last night or the night before, the New Mexican, the government of New Mexico, put a twenty, excuse me, a a a, a month long. I mean, they took away. She took away the gun. Said you cannot private carry, even if you have a concealed carry. The only people in the state that can carry guns are, you know, uh, law enforcement and so on and so forth. And, but, and that was a reaction because of children that had been killed mm -hmm. and the way they described it. And again, you know, uh, you don't ever get the full story, but the way that they described it on the news was, is these kids were killed in some kind of gang drive by violence. And so really tragic, but again, how does taking guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens, how does it solve that problem? And I, yeah. And, and the, the, this particular gentleman. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. was, yeah. Thank yeah. you. So, so, but um, yeah, good conversation. Yeah. There were a lot of, you know, we agreed to disagree. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And then Saturday morning and, and it, it, as far as learning, it probably wasn't the best part of the trick, but trip, but uh, wow factor, I was able to go to the Hawthorne bridge and go to the very top of the Hawthorne Bridge oh, wow. when it opens up. Yeah, I mean, and you talked about, you want to talk about a beautiful city on a Sunday, or excuse me, a Saturday morning and the sun shining and the dragon boats are on the river. Um, yeah, I'm very glad. I And my takeaways um, from that trip, the, the two main ones are, you know, we've got a lot of similarities, probably more similarities and differences. Uh, and then the other is the enthusiasm and the quality of people they've got working for their county as we do in Union County. And, you know, when I first started in this job, I, would, I said, man, we've got some great people working. Wait, government workers? No way. And I, we do. Yeah. Um, both counties have really good people working for them. Um, perfect? Nope. I'm far from perfect. So uh, it, I'm glad I did it. A couple of other things. One is uh, we joke that the two of us are going to bridge the urban-rural divide by ourselves. 
um, but at least it's a, it's a small step in that direction. And the other is uh, whether we're going to be able to pull it off, I don't know, uh, but we're talking about doing it again at some point. Um, County Exchange 2, Part 2. In cool. the beginning, when you talked about uh, numbers, money, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Multnomah County's projected budget for 2024, $3.4 billion. Yeah, with a B. <laughs> yeah, with a B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not an M, a V. Right. And, well, in last uh, spring, Union County, well, spring, early summer, Union County passed their largest budget ever, and it was $63 million. Yeah, which yeah. is pocket change right. compared to $3.4 Yeah. Yeah, but so, I'm so glad I did it. So I have another question. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I love Seattle has, I love, I mean, I lived in Seattle for six years. Seattle's a beautiful city. Portland is a beautiful city. San Francisco is a beautiful city. Um, I mean, and I've enjoyed the city part of that over the course of my life from time to time, you know, and, but all of those cities, even, even in downtown Spokane, I don't know whether it's still that. I mean, there was an entire block that was taken over by a homeless encampment. Where were those homelessness? Where was that homelessness before they were on the sidewalks of some of these cities? And I, I mean, I mean, I think the way we got there, I guess this is my presumption and I'm wanting you to correct me if I'm wrong or correct me from what it is that you've learned. You know, my presumption is, is that we got into COVID and everybody's like, hey, everybody's just trying to get by. Let them camp wherever they want to camp. And that that allowing that just kind of made that problem bigger and bigger. Or I don't know. But I don't know. You feasible, tell me. I'm, I'm feasible. To, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm bottom line. I, I you know, I was we, hoping you learned something <laughs> that you could educate. Well, uh, yeah. we talked. Here's one thing I did learn, though. Yeah, I said, the stuff. I mean, there's a tent and there's shopping carts and stuff and stuff and stuff. And she goes, I had to ask, Commissioner Jayapal said, I had to ask the same thing. So you lose your home or you're about to lose your home. Right. First thing that you do is you get together your most valued possessions and you move to your vehicle. Hmm. Not to put too fine a point on it, you would move to your van. Right. And you've got your... and you move it out so you can sleep at night or, and then it gets rained on or snowed on. Right. And then it becomes less valuable to you. Right. And then at some point you don't have the money to fix your van or insure it. It gets in a wreck, flat tire, whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever. And now you move to a tent. Right. And again, you, you downsize and take whatever you can, but you still want to keep all of those possessions and they get ruined by the weather. And then they, it just, that's, accumulates yeah part of the problem yeah right but i'm still trying to figure out where was that stuff five years ago where I, were those homeless i, I can't answer i mean that. and yeah. not i mean and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't actively be trying to solve the problems that they are in the business of solving mm -hmm. but i when I, I still haven't quite figured out how did how did that happen where where were they at before certainly i mean covid it accelerated all well, I, that. I think you're right, but I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it accelerated yeah. that problem. And, right. and and I think another acceleration to the problem, in, in, especially in those three cities that you mentioned, yeah. Portland in particular, Portland Metro. Um, so Blue Mountain Barbers uh, across from uh, the local right next door mm -hmm. to the landing. Mm -hmm. That you was a home at one point. You mm -hmm. have a pretty good idea of the uh, the price on that is well over half a million dollars. I mean, which I would consider a, the size and, and layout of it would be a starter home. Um, and depending on the the neighborhood, a house like that could even be $750,000. And we've just, we, society has, has priced folks out of a place to live, yeah. you know, and then apartments go up, everything goes up and, and uh, folks really struggle to make ends. Maybe it's path of least resistance too. Humans take the path of least resistance. That's natural. There's places, the, the, the biggest homeless population in the country is Skid Row in LA. There's like 5,000 people that live on Skid Row, homeless people. Maybe 
Portland was offering better services, like more food or more, and and people take the path of least resistance and move. You know what I mean? Like the biggest homeless population in the United States, though, is Southern California, LA. Like it's like four miles of homeless people. Right. And maybe there's an opportunity for them, you know, like because maybe Portland offers better services or Seattle. Well, and I and I I heard a homeless person testify to that on a TV report. Like, hey, this is the this is the best place in the world to be. You get free food. It's good food. I mean, you know, and and I and I I I understand that. And, you know, I'm not California. If you were going to live outdoors year round. It's not a bad place to live, you know, yeah. uh, or live without air conditioning. Well, five thousand people be. wouldn't in Skid no. Row wouldn't disagree. No, and yeah, I, 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 I'm totally sympathetic for where they are and how we need to get them to someplace more productive. And you know, thankfully, I mean, and I, I've noticed the homeless population in our area mm-hmm. increase. That has increased everywhere, and I think that the county and the city have gone, they have, uh, you know, they've been very deliberate about uh, where not to camp, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that that is, that's been positive for the environment of the downtown and the environment, you know, and I think, and there are some active things that are happening uh, that are trying to help those people that really do mm-hmm. have needs. Yeah. So yep. I, has it increased that much here though? Because or are we just talking about it more? Because when my mom was the uh, homeless liaison for Eastern Oregon for a long time, mm-hmm. and I remember there was numerous years in a row where we had the highest teen homeless rate in the state per capita. Yeah, there was like four or five years in a row. Right. You don't hear about those though. You know what I mean? And that's part of the number. You, like it, it, any anybody that's displaced, whether they're sleeping on somebody's couch. Couch hopping, yep. whatever they're homeless. You yeah. know what I mean? Do, are we just hearing about it more but now? I, because but I, I mean, but I team and you and I have talked about this a little bit. Team homelessness is a little bit more challenging. And you, 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 I mean, you were a high school teacher for mm-hmm. a long time, and you know that it could because if you if you have a kid, you have a kid, and he's like he doesn't want to put up with his mom and dad's rules anymore. He'll go, you know, it's like I'm going to go stay at my friend's house, and he's on their couch. Well. That kid is te- technically homeless, but he's he's not homeless in the way of someone we see out there who literally they're in a tent, you know. So, I mean, I that that's a little bit skewed. But my to answer your question, though, my perception is, yes, there are more people and whether they're homeless or not, there are more people that are I mean, they're looking through the garbage for cans. They're wandering around. They're hanging around. I mean, they they clearly don't have a place to go during the day. Well, and let me argue the team homeless thing again. Yeah, it might be skewed, but we had the highest in the whole state. Yeah, that, that's not skewed. Yeah, per capita. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so regard, they're going to have Pendleton's going to have about the same amount of kids that are leaving home because they're not happy with their parents, but ours higher across the board so everything's hot you know what i mean yeah whether it's you're not happy with your parents or you you can't afford to be and and i think back then back in the days we just didn't see the homeless people there was homeless people trust me they all lived out back behind the baseball fields there was quite a few people that lived out there we just didn't see them yeah so i would wonder i would like challenge like what the numbers were like how much higher is it really or are we just seeing them I mean, obviously the 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 housing rate has you know housing is expensive, so mm-hmm. it's probably higher. But I would want to see like numbers, like how how many people were percentage wise. Is it just not because it's twenty twenty three and it's not embarrassing to be homeless anymore? I think that is part of it. I, I, I do. I, I, think, I do too. I think that is part of it. Part of it is is that yeah, that stigma of being homeless, and and I think you know, I mean, I don't know, I think. And again, this is a judgment, but I would imagine that there's a little bit of entitlement that has kind of come out of this movement. So in other words, it's like, I I don't have to be embarrassed that I'm homeless anymore. And this society owes me a place to camp. I mean, I think that that is something that has kind of come out of this, this community. You know, it's, it's okay if I camp here because that's what they do in the cities. And so I don't know, but I mean, 
it's we see it more. So I don't know. You have anything you want to throw into that? Yeah, I, I don't have. Mess. I, yeah. yeah, I don't have answers. Yeah. But I, I do on a different subject. Yeah. So I forgot about one of the stops. Um, <laughs> He's like, so, no more homeless talk. We're getting off. <laughs> no, actually, I mean, it, it's an important discussion. But I, you know, and, and I think the the more you dig, the more you find out you don't know. Right. Um, 100%. So um, one of the stops that I forgot to mention was at a food cart pod. And because people say, how come we don't have a food cart pod? How can we, why don't we have that in Union County? Well, start one. they're like the center of the universe for food carts. So I asked about that and they put it together. And this one is actually an incubator. And it is a Hispanic community works on incubating food carts um, that are, uh, they get one year there. Yeah. Huh. Utilities, I think it's utilities and, and rent free. And so I met with the, the person uh, from their health department that really did the background research, put the folks together because there was a lot of different entities to include brick and mortar store, uh, restaurants that put together their policy. And it's a fairly extensive policy on food carts. And really what they're looking at is spacing so they don't, one doesn't burn and take all of them down. <laughs> um, trash. Um, pest control and uh, waste disposal, sewer and, and uh, to, to include garbage. And it was really interesting on, on who has the authority, who has the ownership, who's responsible for that. And uh, looking forward to having a, a, some conversations with some folks here about that. And I mean, if that's something that could be developed, I think they've got a really good framework that's not too prescriptive Mm -hmm. um basically hey you do you take care of these things um you're able to operate here but and then also um and i like a lot of people i really like food and was able to <laughs> able to try uh cuban food uh in this one food garden it was delicious so oh, cuban food so was it was it mercado was that where you went yeah 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 I've been that's exactly place. where we went yeah. it's it's kind of uh that place is like kind of uh like groundbreaking for that yeah that style of of it kind of reminds me of like uh asian families like asian families when they when they when they come over to america they'll live together in one house and they'll pool their money this is this is quite common especially in california and until one person can buy a business and then that person buys a business gets on their feet sets out and then they do it, you know what I mean? And then it's just kind of, that's kind of like the same philosophy, right. right? You 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 guys all just kind of work together until you know now it's your time to grow up and go out into the big world. Yeah. And with a timeline. I mean yeah. it's a year. It's cool. Yeah. It's it's really cool. So yeah, that was uh, I thought a, a very for me educational stop. But, well, and I think we've seen an increase in food carts locally. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean that that industry is popping up yep more and more as that's and happening good and i the, so one of the questions i had i said what do the brick and mortar restaurants think about a yeah. food pod going in he said oddly enough they're generally supportive of it because they hear about this food cart at this one pod and they go try it and they walk by the restaurant and go hey i've never seen that restaurant before and then eventually they come back to the brick and mortar for at least one meal Right. And so it really kind of brings in traffic or if the line's too long at a food cart, they might go to the restaurant or, oh, didn't make reservations or they can't, don't have seating for a while longer, go to the food cart and they still leave with a fairly positive experience. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, I, I, again, I'm so glad I did it. Oh. And yeah. Awesome. Well, Paul, thank you, you for bet. being here. Yeah. And appreciate, appreciate you and appreciate the conversation. And uh, we, you kind of like sparked it. We just kind of took off. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that went yeah. The, the EOU cross country runner that I couldn't remember his last name, John Colby got it for me. Hunter Nichols. And I know that. Yeah. I just had a brain fart. And then Cody said, I'm a big, scary dude. I don't know. <laughs> you have. What were we talking about? I don't know. That was it, early on so when far he from made the that. truth, though. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm soft. I'm a teddy bear. Well, after they get to know you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, all righty, man. Let's get us out of here. Yeah. September 12th, on this day.
18 or 1787, American statesman George Mason suggests that the addition of a Bill of Rights to the Constitution modeled on previous state de declarations, but the motion was defeated at the time. Huh. So the first time it was brought to, to people, it was defeated. 1857, 423 people die when steamship SS Central America, the ship of gold, which is the first ship bringing gold back from California, sinks in the hurricane off of South Carolina. It, it was carrying tons of gold coins and bricks, and it was rediscovered in 1988. Wow. That's crazy. That's 100 years later. 130 years yeah. later, you find this ship and all this gold from the first trade, you know, the very beginning of the gold rush in California. 1981, the Smurfs animated cartoon series by Hanna-Barbera, first broadcast in North America in 1981. I didn't know it was that old. I thought it was more like late 80s, but 2012, Apple unveils its iPhone 5. And then five years later, they unveil the premium iPhone X, the first phone that costs over a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. It was a nine hundred ninety-nine dollar phone to buy it, which is crazy. Remember back in the days where you could just sign a two-year contract and you got the best phone for yeah. free? Not anymore. Uh -uh. Not anymore. Uh, twenty twenty-two. Queen Elizabeth II's coffin makes a ceremonial procession down the Royal Mile in Edinburgh from the Palace of Holyrood House to St. Giles Cathedral, where 20,000 people pay their respects. It's already been over a year since she died. Wow. That's, that's, that's crazy. Time is just flying. Yep. And then um, the number one song in America 10 years ago on this day, Katy Perry, Roar. <laughs> Quote for the day. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Oscar Wilde, one more time. <laughs> every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. Uh, there's truth in that. Right? Yep. Good. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. Thanks for being here. See you on Thursday. Yep. Right here.